Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. School of Humans. Oh, America, guys, oh, the United States of America. It's the land of the free, the home of the brave, etc., etc. But I would also say that it is a country filled with absolute filth. That's right. You found yourself listening to a podcast about the filthier side of American history. Hello, my name's Gabby Watts. I am a podcast producer and the former host of a show called Cadaver Gals where we would look at all the weird ways that people had died throughout history. And now I'm bringing you this new show called American Filth. It's going to be a fun time. It's going to be silly. It's going to be ridiculous. We're going to have some comedic embellishments. But all of this is stuff that happened throughout American history, and I think it's just as important to celebrate. And you might be thinking to yourself, what is filth? Well, filth can just be anything that you think is disgusting, immoral. We're going to have it all. We got stories about bestiality, about cannibalism, about infanticide, about UTIs, about gay orgies, about resurrecting vampires, about a president cheating on his wife, about another president cheating on his wife, about another president cheating on his wife, all the shenanigans happening in the Wild West, sex scandals, alcoholics, love triangles, a group of sisters who had too much hair in my opinion. So let's get into it. This is the first episode of American Filth. So let's just let's just get right into bestiality. Why don't we? Thanks for listening. And here we go. I'm cueing our very aggressive theme song. This is American Filth, and my name is Gabby Watts. Every week I bring you a different filthy story from American history. On this first episode, New Haven and the Pigmen. We're in the 17th century in the New Haven colony. This colony was founded in 1638 by a merchant named Theophilus Eaton, 
and Puritan minister John Davenport. But it didn't have a royal charter, so it didn't last too long, just until 1664, when it got eaten up by the Connecticut colony, Chomp Chomp. Wow, so interesting, I love dates. The settlers there, most of them were from the congregation of John Davenport. They'd followed him over from England to Amsterdam to Boston. And along with these families in the early 1640s, there was also a great migration of sorts. Basically from the mid-Atlantic colonies up to the northern ones, there were all these unmarried dudes who went up there for work just left to their own devices. And, you know, you never know what a single man left up to his own devices might do. <laughs> maybe he'll write a manifesto. Maybe he'll say he's the son of God. Maybe he'll commit some buggery. And what is buggery? Well, that is having sex with animals. It can also refer to butt sex between people, but we're going with the bestiality definition. And that was a big no-no in the New Haven colony and probably everywhere else too. Because under the purview of Minister John Davenport, that's a big old sin. And in fact, the colony's initial legal system was, quote, that the word of God shall be the only rule to be attended unto in ordering the affairs of government in this plantation. You know, residents in the New Haven colony, they could be put to death for all sorts of crimes. Things like adultery, witchcraft, blasphemy, for being a rude teen. Basically, everyone on TikTok would have been put to death. And they didn't want anyone to commit these sins because they did not wish to invoke God's wrath. Obviously, it's a new colony. They already have a lot of challenges. Adding God's wrath to the mix would be very inconvenient. And buggery, of course, was among these sins. Because as we all know, you know, we all know this. God said in Leviticus... Actually, I don't know, were they quoting God or just what? This is just something you're not, it said in Leviticus, basically. If a man lie with a beast, he shall surely be put to death, and ye shall slay the beast. And the Puritan leaders in New Haven were so concerned about this sin that even if you didn't do buggery, but just like mentioned it, you could get punished. Even LOLing about bestiality could get you thrown in jail. That happened in 1662. There was this young guy named Jeremiah, and he made a joke about this other dude named Edmund because what happened was Edmund, he'd been praying out in the swamp because, you know, God's ear is extra receptive in the swamp, and he'd been praying for this lady to like him back. He said, Lord, thou knowest my necessity and canst supply it. Lord, bend and bow her will and make her sensible to my condition. And apparently he was praying quite loudly in the swamp because Jeremiah overheard him. And when someone asked what Edmund was praying about, Jeremiah said, it may be his mare that God would make her more serviceable. <laughs> LOL, his horse. <laughs> but unfortunately, being an edgelord comedian like that was frowned upon back then. And the thing is, Edmund's prayer did work. He got married to the last he was praying about. Uh, but then he sued Jeremiah for slander. Uh, so the New Haven magistrates put him in jail for a while and then eventually placed him on a 10-pound bond uh, because of good behavior. But he probably, he probably stopped making jokes. So yeah, New Haven was having a bit of a moment. As the late Princeton professor John M. Murren said, it was a bit of a bestiality panic. Uh, people were accused of buggery even if they weren't caught in the act. And that is exactly what happened to a man named George Spencer. 
1641, George Spencer was a servant to this guy, Mr. Browning. And George was one of those single men who was just, you know, milling about up to no good. And he had come to New Haven from Boston and had already had a run with the law because he stole some goods at some point. And then in New Haven, the thing about him is nobody really seemed to like him. He was known, as one record said, for profanity, lying, scoffing, and just having an all-around lewd spirit. And one of the worst things about him was that he wasn't into God. He might have even been an atheist, gasp, in John Davenport's colony, oh no. According to the gossip, he hadn't been to church in five years, and he would only read scripture and pray when his boss, Mr. Browning, told him he had to, basically would threaten to beat him up if he didn't do it. And the other issue about George was people thought he was a real uggo. He was bald, and he only had one functioning eyeball. The other one was all messed up. People said it was like a pearl, whitish and deformed. Anyway, Mr. Browning sold one of his lady pigs, a sow, to his neighbor, John Wakeman. And then that sow that Mr. Browning had sold gave birth to a litter of piglets. And most of these pigs, I imagine, were excellent pigs, just normal ass pigs. But the thing is, one of the pigs was stillborn and looked really gross. So gross that people started calling the piglet the monster. Which I feel like is really rude because that piglet wasn't even alive to defend itself. People described it like this. It had no hair on the whole body, the skin was tender, and of a reddish-white color like a child's. It had but one eye in the middle of the face, like some blemished eye of a man. Ball, do you say? And hmm, just one eye that works? Who else do we know has those same physical traits? Why, none other than one-eyed, bald-ass George Spencer. You guys can see where this is going. The Puritans of New Haven observed these similarities, and they got to thinking, that man looks like that nasty piglet. And then, good wife Wakeman, the wife of the dude who bought the sow from Mr. Browning, Well, according to the court record, she had a vision from God. Apparently, some hand of God appeared in an impression to her spirit, indicating that the sow hadn't been pigging like a regular pig, and that George Spencer had been actor in unnatural and abominable filthiness with that sow. Now, using that evidence, that the stillborn piglet only had one eye and looked kind of like a child, and that goodwife Wakeman got some vibes from God, Obviously, what that means is George took a tumble with this sow and fathered this piglet. There could be no other explanation. At first, George was like, whoa, 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 I did not sully myself with that sow. But everyone was like, sorry, we're going to have to put you in prison because we are suspicious of your buggery. And also, don't you have like, in general, a lewd spirit? That definitely merits prison time. I wish I lived in this time period. So George got locked up. I imagine he was probably feeling pretty down in the dumps. Not only was he in prison, he was there because of a crime he denied committing where there was really no real evidence. The evidence that they did have was that he looked like a pig. That has to hurt your feelings a little bit. The only thing George had to accompany his dread of the impending trial was the dulcet tones of a prison guard whipping another prisoner. Prison sounds cool. (laughs) 
That night, one of the magistrates from New Haven went to the prison to get some more information from George. The magistrate asked, did you commit that abominable filthiness? And George was like, hell no. And then the magistrate asked, but when they showed you that ugly-ass stillborn piglet, did you not take notice of something in it like you? And then George was like, wait, hold on, which sow are you talking about? And then the magistrate was like, you know which one. And then at that point, George said nothing. So the magistrate continued. He was like, George, let me remind you of the scripture because we all know you don't read it. He that hideth his sin shall not prosper, but he who confesseth and forsaketh his sin shall find mercy. With that in mind, do you feel sorry that you're denying this thing that is obviously true? Because again, that lady had visions about it. And now, according to the court record, it was at this moment that George did confess to the magistrate that he had done it. And the magistrate was like, I knew it. Ha ha ha. And he departed. He's like, I'm going to bring back some of my boys tomorrow and get a longer confession. So I'm going to get all the nasty details, write it down so I can masturbate to it later. Just kidding. He didn't say that. Now, the fact that George confessed, some historians have pointed to the fact that this doesn't actually mean he did it. Because as you heard, the magistrate was just like, hey, if you don't confess, you're fucked. But if you do, you'll get some mercy. And George was probably thinking like, that sounds like a pretty good deal, actually. Probably also means I won't get whipped like that other prisoner. So over the next couple days, the magistrate came back with his other magistrate boys. And that's when George put on a little show and gave his full confession. He said, yes, I did fuck that sow because remember, I'm going to get mercy for saying this. And this is what he said about the day of the incident. He said, I was at work and the sow came into the stable. And then the temptation and the corruption did work. And I drove the sow into the sty and then committed that filthiness. He said he was in the sty with the sow for a couple of hours at six o'clock in the evening when the sun was setting. Wow, how romantic. Then the magistrates asked, how long had the temptation been upon your spirit? And George was like, it had been upon my spirit for about two or three days. And he said he had some workings against it, both from the heinousness of the sin and the loathsomeness of the creature. He wasn't even attracted to her. And then they were like, what was it about the pig that affected you? And he said, it was the whites in the eye. That's right, the whites in the eye. Not the pupils, not the iris, but the white stuff. Mmm, sexy. When he was talking to the magistrates, George also admitted to a variety of other sins. You know, he called the Lord's Day Ladies' Day. He would lie and he just would generally scoff at the ordinances and ways of the people of God. George then had the prison guard write up a little bill, a little sign for him to hang. And on it he said he entreated the prayer of the church and God on his behalf, said he was sorry he had denied his buggery earlier, and supposedly, with tears falling from his eyes, he acknowledged that Satan had hardened his heart. However, as George sat in his prison cell waiting trial, he began to suspect that even if he received God's mercy, 
he probably wasn't going to get the mercy of these Puritans. So on March 2nd, 1641, just about a week after he was put in prison, George Spencer went to trial. And there he denied his confession. Unfortunately for him, though, the court had a bunch of people who said that George had told them that, oh, yeah, I had a sexual rendezvous with that pig. There were these three dudes, all named Will, who said that George had mentioned his dalliance with the pig to them. And there were two other men who said George had confessed to them. They had asked him, like, how long were you with the sow? And George said, I was with the sow half an hour, and it was the most terrible half hour of my life. And they asked, well, if you had no pleasure in it, what? Why were you doing it? And he was like, well, I was driven by the power of the devil. So all these people are confessing. And George is just like, fuck these people. They're lying. They're evil. My confession was false. Unfortunately, George denying his confession just made the court like him even less. They were like, wow, he did this unnatural and terrible thing. And now he's really showing his lying spirit. So, having heard the accounts and George's general bad attitude, they sentenced George Spencer to death. That's right. It's a capital crime. And not only did they sentence George to death, they also sentenced the sow to death. George's execution was not until April of the following year, 1642. It was determined that he would hang upon a gallows till he be dead. And the place where they were going to hang him was to be the farthest part of the field by the seaside. But first, the sow was going to be slain in his sight, being run through with a sword. Seems pretty dramatic. And the reason they killed the sow, it wasn't just because of Leviticus, But they also at the time believed that if you did some buggery with an animal, that means part of the human stays inside of it. So if anyone was to eat that pig, it would be cannibalism, obviously. So indeed, the sow was slain with a sword, and then George was escorted up to the gallows. And while he was there, the record says that he began to speak to the youths about him, basically telling them to use him as an example that they shouldn't neglect and despise the means of grace. George also admitted, because of his atheism, that that justified his sentence as righteous. Then they tightened the noose around his neck and kicked away the stand. And the court record says, now he was ready to die, and he must go presently to hell. So much for mercy. R.I.P. George Spencer. Now some ads. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected or check out a style 
stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers. And with available features like the panoramic moon roof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&Ms, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness, kick back and spread some positivity into the world from smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports on stages and at the box office. Women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to women take the mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time, your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. We're back, baby. Uh, I think this is kind of a fun tidbit, but in 2015, George Spencer's case was reviewed by a judge because that's the important work the criminal justice system should be doing right now, pardoning a man from 1641. Anyway, uh, but they found that he was not guilty of any crimes as it would have been a biological impossibility for him to father that piglet. In case you weren't aware of that, we can't have kids with pigs or cows or really any barnyard creature or critter at all. So stop trying, okay? Uh, and the judge reviewing the case also said that it was clear that there was lots of coercion in this confession. And here's the thing that's like pretty crazy about it is that if George Spencer had not confessed, he would have not hanged because technically they needed two witnesses. And one of the witnesses was George. And then they said that the other witness was the stillborn pig. And there's actually another case that's very similar to this, but this time the guy being accused of buggery refused to confess. And so he didn't hang. It also happened in New Haven just a few years after George Spencer's death. This happened in 1647. And the name of the guy is literally Thomas Hogg. Like, Thomas Hogg. Like George Spencer, Thomas Hogg wasn't well-liked by the people of New Haven. He was a thief and a liar. But people seemed to specifically not like him because sometimes his dick was out. Like, he claimed he had this, like, hernia in his dick and it made it painful, so sometimes, you know, he just had to pull it out. And like Mr. Spencer, Mr. Hogg was accused of fathering some piglets because, again, these two pigs that were born, they said that they looked like him. 
His employer said it was a sign from God because one of the pigs was fair and white, skin like hog, and the other had a head like a child's and one eye like him, the bigger on the right side. But Mr. Hogg was like, mm, I did not have sexual relations with that pig. He denied it despite people pressuring him into a confession. He was like, no, 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 I did not do that. So the governor of the New Haven colony decided to conduct an experiment. They needed proof that Mr. Hogg was a hogman and laid with the lady of pigs. So this is what they did. They brought Mr. Hogg to the barn where the pigs were kept and told him to scratch behind the ear of the sows to see if his touch would arouse them. Who knows if his dick was in or out at this point. Well, he scratched the ear of one pig and woo-wee, did she get turned on. According to the reports, there appeared a working of lust in the sow insomuch that she poured out seed before them. I have no idea what that means. It's, I feel like maybe it means the pig was squirting. I don't know. But then they needed more evidence than just one sow. So they asked Mr. Hogg to scratch behind the ear of another one to see if she would also get aroused. But unfortunately, she must have not found him very attractive and did not produce any seed. I guess he should have whipped his dick out. I don't know. Ergo, the results were inconclusive. There was no proof that Mr. Hogg was a sexy man to these pigs. And since Mr. Hogg refused to admit to the crime, they couldn't hang him because he had to be his own witness. But because no one really seemed to like him, they did sentence him to hard labor for just being obnoxious, a.k.a. lying and stealing and having his dick out. Now, if anything, the stories of Thomas Hogg and George Spencer can teach us that it is very important to be likable. Otherwise, you might be accused of banging a pig, even if you're not caught in the act. But unfortunately, in New Haven, even being likable is not enough, especially if you are caught getting wiggly with that piggly. <laughs> the last dude we're talking about today, his name is William Potter, and he was one of the first people to settle in New Haven. He was part of John Davenport's exclusive and esteemed congregation, and he was a pretty successful landowner. He was doing well. He had a wife and a bunch of kids. He was respected, a family man. And this is towards the end of the New Haven colony being its own little colony. This is in 1662. William Potter was about 60, and he had recently been excused from military service because he was, quote, a weak, infirmed man. But one day, one of his teenage sons was just out and about on their farm, probably just minding his own business when he came across a horrible sight. His daddy, the venerable William Potter, was screwing one of their sows. Talk about childhood trauma. After the son saw this, he went to his mom and was like, Mom, I just saw something real bad. Dad was out there balls deep in a piggy. By the way, that is not a direct quote, but I'm just saying, if you had that news and you told your mom about it, you'd probably expect them to be like, holy hell, that's crazy. But instead, his mom, Frances Potter, said to her son, yeah, your dad does that sometimes. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Okay. Apparently, Frances Potter had also stumbled upon her husband's indiscretions, specifically about 10 years prior. She had caught him doing a doggy style with a doggy, technically in the official record, their bitch. And he had implored her not to tell the authorities. William even hanged the bitch, hoping that would undo his sins and release him from the temptation. 
But now in 1662, the son and the mom, they decided, uh, for reasons unknown exactly, uh, they decided that they would confront William Potter and officially turn him into the authorities. And they knew this accusation would likely lead him to the gallows, but, you know, they probably didn't want to be awash with his sins. You know, I hate when that happens, when you get awash with other people's sins. So according to the court record, the mom and son approached William and they said, hey, we saw what you did and we know you did it. And then William, he, quote, stood in a stupid way, making denial of what was testified. But then his wife was like, hey, remember that if you are guilty, God would bring it forth to light. A.K. even if you don't say anything, God will tell on you. He's a big old snitch. And indeed, after the son and mom informed one of the magistrates, William Potter did confess, voila, God hath brought it from his own mouth. So William goes to the courtroom in May 1662, and he told the magistrates that the first time he had had these terrible temptations was when he was about 11 years old. But then the temptations followed him to New England. When he first arrived in the New Haven colony, he started working on one of the magistrates' farms. And while he was at work, he did a little uh, moo-moo play with a cow. Now there's this other dude who was also caught doing buggery with a cow at some point, and his accuser called it uh, the devil's milking. So William had done some devil's milking for sure. But right after he had apparently committed that act, that was around the same time that ugly-ass George Spencer had been hanged. And William Potter was startled and did not wish to meet the same fate, so he tried to resist all the temptations. And yet the lust followed him to his own farm. And he said that the day his son discovered him, he had no heart to speak to him, but was affected with tears. Boo-hoo, boo-hoo. William Potter said that after he had confessed to his wife and son, he and his wife walked about their farm, and William actually pointed out all of the animals he had uh, banged. There were some sows, a year-old heifer, a two-year-old heifer, a cow, three sheep, his late mare, and, of course, uh, the bitch he had already hanged. The magistrate conferred. They read William Potter the law, and they decided there really could be no other decision than death. So William Potter was condemned to hang in the gallows until dead, and again, all the animals would also be slain. And officially, he and the animals were executed on June 6, 1662. What an episode. Really have learned a lot about New Haven, about bestiality. Obviously, now people don't get executed for bestiality. Um, In some states, you know, it's a felony. Some states it's a misdemeanor. And uh, technically, it's uh, there is no law against it in New Mexico and West Virginia. So what? (laughs) But if any men felt personally victimized during this episode uh, because all the cases involved dudes being executed, don't worry. In the 17th century, women were also being executed, but mostly for witchcraft. Just a little thing to remember about 17th century colonial America. Witchcraft is for the women and bestiality is for the boys. (laughs) 
American Filth is a production of School of Humans and iHeart Podcast. It's hosted by me, Gabby Watts. I wrote this episode. I sound designed it. That's why it sounds so amazing. Thank you so much. The theme song was by me and Jesse Neiswanger. The executive producers are Virginia Prescott, Elsie Crowley, and Brandon Barr. You can follow along with the show at American Filth Pod on Instagram. Please follow, like, subscribe, leave a review about the pod. Help us get the algorithm going. I would really appreciate it, even if it's a terrible review. But if it's a terrible review, just try to make it really funny, okay? So guys, catch you next time. Bye! School of Humans. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. You can rent a car, a house, even that little black party dress. So why not rent the stuff you need for your home, too? The place to do it is errands. Choose from thousands of new products from the brands you love, online or in store. Pick a payment plan that fits your budget and pay a little at a time until it's yours forever. But if life changes, you can return it anytime or even upgrade it with something new. Rent what you need. It's better at errands. Approval not guaranteed. Restrictions apply. See store for details. Your getaway with Apple Vacations begins the moment you step on board one of our exclusive nonstop vacation flights. Escape the ordinary with packages starting at just $599. No layovers, just pure relaxation from takeoff to touchdown. Immerse yourself in the joy of travel with Apple Vacations. Your journey is as enchanting as the destination, so pack your bags and leave the rest to us. Visit AppleVacations.com or call your local travel advisor to book your vacation.